0: Hello hello everybody. This is No Chick Flick Moments and I am your co-host Remy and I'm your other co-host B and this is our supernatural watchcast. Welcome. 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 <laughs> <laughs>
1: In theme for this week's episode, Asylum. This week's
0: episode, it reminded me, this is stupid, but it reminded me a lot of like episode nine of season eight of uh, Game of Thrones. I was like squinting at the screen. I, what? It, <laughs> What's
1: this, happening? It's too dark. <laughs> have to have like the gamma blaring and it completely washes out the effect. <laughs> I can't see. Truly Oh. That episode so disappointing.
0: Oh man! Well, we're not here to talk about Game of Thrones. (laughs) No, no,
1: no. we are here with
0: season one, episode ten, Asylum. What? There's more? No, no. No? (laughs) Oh man, B. Oh, it's been it's been a week, but we're here. It's been a week, and it's not even over. I know. No, we're here. This is great. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I didn't even ask you before we started. Um, gut check on this episode. How's how how'd it treat you? It was all right. Yeah,
1: there was the parts I remember being good, and then there was a lot of filler
0: getting there. I don't know if I said this on the recording, but I do remember telling you, um, last week. I literally, I have no idea what happened. This when I heard that this was next week's episode. Mm-hmm. I was like, B, I have no idea of a single thing that happened in this episode.
1: <laughs> I I remembered the rock salt chest shot yeah, and the whole monologue that Sam gives there in the asylum. But, like, everything else, I was like, God, it took a long time to get to this instant.
0: Oh, man. The only thing that I was thinking of this episode was the one extra... Um, oh, what's his name? Grayson? Gavin? Gavin. Gavin. Um, He has been in other things on TV that I know that he's been in, and I couldn't think of any of them, and I forgot to look them up before I came here. So now I just have that little b- brain he, worm. He was doing
1: the same thing for me. I was like, this is a known
0: extra, like the capital letters. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I just was looking at him like, uh... I'll, I'll 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 get you. I'll get you eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that. Um, I thought that the content of the episode, yeah, was a little slim, but I thought it was a good self-contained monster of the week. I thought it was acted well, and the pacing worked out pretty good too. Yes, I would
1: agree to that.
0: I don't know anything about film or. You know, the <laughs> cinnamon topography, cinnamon topography, but I had the distinct thought the pacing of this episode is very good. I don't know where that thought came from, but it's a thing that I feel I know about this episode. <laughs> yeah. Gut check turned out to be true. hmm. Well, so um, this, our Monster of the Week episode is episode 10, Asylum. It was written by Richard Hadam, back from uh, Phantom Traveler, Mm -hmm. episode four, and it was directed by Guy B. Now, this is Guy B's only episode directed in season one, but he does return to Supernatural season six, seven, eight, nine, and ten. So he takes a little gap
1: year or two and then comes back for us for a while.
0: Or two or five or six, you know. Shh, 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 don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he had I don't know um um I would he, say that he's definitely not one of the go-to guys for directors. Um uh, he's done one or two episodes of seasons 6 through 10 but yeah that was that was interesting to see hmm
1: fun fact mm-hmm uh,
0: and the original air date of this episode was november twenty second two thousand and five
1: okay, and they're pretending to be early April, so time is flying inside the show itself,
0: yeah, Sam said uh later. In the episode, it's six months. We're no closer to finding Dad today than we were six months ago. So that's one of the first concrete dates we've gotten.
1: hmm And six months also means they're going to be in Sam's birthday month soon enough. Mm, true. Do true. they acknowledge it? Let's find out.
0: <laughs> well, so the synopsis of this episode... Not Sam's birthday month, so, you know, we'll see. <laughs> Anyways, the synopsis reads, uh, Sam and Dean investigate an abandoned sanatorium and discover that when the hospital was open, the patients held a revolt against the cruel and unusual punishments inflicted by the head doctor. While the brothers search the premises for four lost college students, the tortured spirits cause them to go insane, turning dean against sam okay <laughs> i don't i don't write them i just i just read i just read them yeah it's like what episode were they watching <laughs> so i think i think that there was a, some some last minute uh production flips here uh, well i guess confusing sam for dean there wouldn't be uh, a production slip. Like I could I could understand <laughs> if they had originally written in four college students but then came out with two. But I don't know. If the original intent of this episode was for Dean to be doing the lashing out, that I don't think that, that would fit. So maybe it's just a it's no. just a, a type of never mind. <laughs> no, because
1: the whole Dean lashing out thing we kind of got during skin. You know, that was the true shape shifter using Dean's id to kind of lambast Sam. And then here we have a ghost now forcing Sam into the same corner.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And from the very get-go, we are starting to build up uh or shine a light on those frustrations. Yeah. The
1: lead up that I'm lamenting trying to get to that scene, there are a lot of subtle notices Of um, Sam being irritated by his brother.
0: Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. But we start off in the Roosevelt Asylum in Rockfield, Illinois. There are a couple of cops checking out a call for some kids who have apparently broken into the asylum. Despite the chain doors and the no trespassing signs, the entire kind of outside of the building is covered in
0: yeah but you know one of the cops uh one of the cops gunderson he turns to his partner and says yeah you just can't keep the kids out of this place everyone wants a piece of the local legend
1: yeah so our little urban legend lore drop is coming from the cop this time and once the two of them are inside they naturally split up And Gunderson finds the three kids who have cut the chain on the door to the south wing. And Gunderson's partner, Kelly, um, wanders into the basement and um, sees a hidden room open up inside one of the rooms he's checking in.
0: Spooky. Spooky.
1: His flashlight is flickering and we don't really know what happens to him because we see him next outside of the asylum. Gunderson is kind of watching the kids take off going
0: home. And Kelly is being a little bit creepy, to say the least. Right. Yeah. He just kind of... He just is a little off.
1: Yeah. And inside the cop car, he has blood trickling out of his nose that he wipes to hide f- from Gunderson. And we see him next in his family home. Hi, Aries. And he has gone upstairs to the bedroom to see his wife, who he apparently has been a little frosty to these past couple days.
0: Right, she greets him as he comes in, but she thinks that he's giving her the cold shoulder. What? You're still not talking about talking to me? I said I was sorry. Well, Kelly is unloading his uh his holster and his pockets. He's putting everything on the nightstand, and uh, as the wife is is saying, like, why are you still so mad? he ominously grabs the gun, turns around, and then we cut to the outside of the house where we hear and see the gunshots go off. Yep.
1: Yeah, there is one shot, a pause, and then a second
0: shot. And that's
1: all we get of his story.
0: hmm and, and that local legend that, uh, that Gunderson drops on us uh, as the two cops are entering into the asylum, you know, they say that, If you spend the night, the spirits will drive you insane. Yes. So, is it true? Let's find out. Title card. Title card. Then we
1: cut to a motel room where Sam is on the phone with some of their father's contacts, but he hangs up without any leads obtained.
0: Yeah. Caleb, Jefferson, Pastor Jim, no one in uh, john's circle has seen or heard from him
1: yeah and without any leads to john actually being alive um, sam figures maybe they should put a missing persons in with the feds but dean is adamant that their dad would be so pissed if they did that they're not doing it
0: Right. Again, Dean is reiterating, if dad is gone, then it's because he wants to be gone. He is laying low for a reason. And that's where Dean has his faith. But Sam is pushing on Dean to say, what if he's hurt? What if he's dead? What if we could help? Like, we have to do something.
1: Yeah, he does not have that same faith that Dean has, which means that Sam is compelled to do something. He has to act in order to get through this anxiety. Yeah. And it's especially on the heels of last week. Like even Sam mentions that you tried calling dad after what happened in Kansas. And if he wouldn't pick up for that in essence of his point, um, then there's not a lot of hope that he's still out there.
0: Right, right. Dad should have been there. Uh, what if something is seriously wrong? Yeah.
1: But as if on cue, while they're arguing, Dean's cell phone starts ringing. And as he is trying to find it, um, it goes quiet. But when he flips it open, God bless, um, there's a text message from an unknown ID and it contains two gi- digits. It is coordinates.
0: Oh, man, and I didn't even really think about it until just now, but you're right. Dean missed a call looking for his phone. What, where's my damn phone? He's he's trying to do two, two things at once, argue with Sam and get his phone out of his jacket that's discarded on the bed. And mm-hmm. uh, as soon as he misses the call, the text comes in. But, you know, what if he had picked up in time?
1: Truly, we might have, you know, seen the end of the episode at the beginning. Yeah. But as it stands, Dean is almost gleeful about this. He considers that proof of life, and it's just another direction for them to follow. They look up the coordinates, and he's like, oh, it points to Rockford, Illinois. I recognize the name of this asylum from Dad's journal. It must be a case. Let's go, go, go. And Sam is pumping the brakes and saying, wait a minute, why aren't you questioning this more?
0: Right. Doesn't it seem strange to you? A text message? I mean, our dad doesn't send text messages. And if this is a direction, who's to say that we should follow it blindly?
1: Yeah. For Dean, it's enough to think, well, maybe we'll meet up, but Sam is sitting there and saying, well, there's some accountability that needs to be held here. Like, if this is Dad, how can he just expect us to do what he says when he's legitimately not even giving a sentence to instruct us?
0: Right. And Dean just shuts him down. Who cares? Um, Yeah, if if Dad wants us there, then that's where I'm going to be, so...
1: Yeah, no questions asked. He's willing to haul Asp over to Illinois and see what's going down. Yep. So that's what they do. And we start the next scene with Gunderson in a pub and Dean is um, pretending to be a reporter trying to needle him for questions about his partner Kelly and Sam is playing the role of I don't know what he's doing, but he's doing it over the top. It's not at all method.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. So they're doing a bit of good cop, bad cop. Um, Dean is playing the pushy reporter. Hey, can I sit here? Oh no, no, no. Look, it'll just be a second. Uh, uh, um, mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. really. Just, just, I just want to hear. I just want to hear what's what's going on with you. No, no, no. I know. I'll get all your hair soon. Um, not. No, ignoring Gunther not Gunther um Gunderson who is saying look i just want to i just want to be alone no i don't want to answer your questions like can't i just you know be left to my beer in peace so that's when yeah. sam comes in to um to forcefully remove dean from the table and he pushes them away to say hey show some respect the guy's an officer he just lost his partner you're a real jerk And Dean leaves so that Sam can uh, capitalize on that goodwill. Yeah, there is
1: definitely a heroic shine being cast on this guy. Um, And they're trying to use that sheen. I say they, but ultimately Sam is trying to use that sheen to... um, wheedle his way in and ask his questions about what happened that night in the asylum.
0: Right. Right. Which Sam gets his answers. We don't, we don't see the conversation with Gunderson, but Sam orders them both a drink and sits down to talk with Gunderson. And we next see him exiting the, the pub and he has gotten the information that he needs. Roosevelt asylum.
1: Yep. So Sam and Dean reunite in the parking lot, and we essentially find out, um, first of all, that Dean's a little miff that Sam pushed him so hard. Um, it, I guess, was not what he thought their plan was, and again, this is going to be a cue that we have into Sam's mind later in this episode, um, but regarding the case, um, Gunderson talked about what happened at the asylum and it was in the South Wing that apparently all of the shit kind of goes down.
0: Yep. And is it here that Dean says, wait, the South Wing? That that sounds familiar.
1: Yep. He does pull out the journal and there's this newspaper article from 1972. Um, Two kids died when... um, Three went in, one went insane, and killed the other one and themselves, it sounds like. Yeah. And so if the question becomes, you know, did Kelly have a seed of crazy in him that found fertile ground and went nuts, or was it something that drove him to it? And if we see this pattern in the kids, then maybe they're speaks to something of an outside force acting on these people
0: right exactly you know according to Gunderson Kelly was a great guy uh nothing out of the ordinary so what's with the what's with what happened
1: yeah so they check out the asylum in the daytime which feels like a rookie move but I guess that's what we're doing What do
0: you Um, mean it feels like... I'm about to get onto these boys for going back at night. (laughs) I'm like they say as they are
1: patrolling the halls and you know commenting well the doors must have been locked so was it keeping people out or was it keeping something in um but they're walking around with emf and they're like yeah we're getting no readings and then sam even says yeah they're not active sometimes during like certain hours of the day like why would you pick that hour to go if you're trying to find out if something spooky's there
0: yeah you're right, they could have gone at night, got their proof, and then come back during the day like a sensible yes. person to do yes. the things that they needed to do. Yes,
1: like, oh, there's an hour where they're not active. How about we go then
0: exactly, exactly, but yeah, like you said, they find the doors to the south wing um that uh that look to have been chained closed. Uh, there's a lot of graffiti, a lot of damage around the um, um, what 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 I call it, the entryway, the 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 reception area yeah. of the asylum. But this one wing seems to have been you know undisturbed for some time, and uh, that's one thing that Dean is saying. Like this, this place has been here, been closed down for. Thirty, forty years. Why now?
1: Yeah, and that's where the whole is there something being kept in, or was it meant to keep people out?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we're going to find out. It's a bit of both. <laughs> well, as they're patrolling the halls in the south wing, Dean is teasing Sam. You know, saying ghosts are attracted to his ESP. And Sam is trying to be dismissive of these jokes and say, you know, it's just vibes. Like, he just feels vibes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna vibe sometime.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh,
0: okay, Haley Joel. Okay, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah.
1: Pop culture reference.
0: Well, well, it it, yeah, Dean is, is teasing, but he's also like, there's a pointedness to the teasing. So this is another instance where we're kind of racketing up tensions.
1: Yeah. If Dean says that he's not a Sharon Care type person, well, this is the way that he's showing his concern is by trying to make it into these flinty jokes and... You know, have Sam annoyed, but still open the conversation a little bit.
0: Right, right. But no, Dean, it doesn't work like that. Uh, I'm not a walking, talking uh, EMF meter.
1: Yeah. And gives his brother a little push out the door. And we enter into this really intense room. Um... We find out that there is, like, lobotomy gear, electroshock equipment, preserved parts. And Dean feels inspired to um, imitate Jack Nicholson a couple times here. Uh-huh,
0: uh-huh. Just like my guy Jack, he says.
1: Yep, pulling from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and The Shining. All in one conversation. <laughs>
0: I did I did like that, so hats off to uh Richard Hayton.
1: Yeah, and it was cute to see Jensen do that imitation. Mm-hmm. Um, they're questioning whether ghosts are possessing people but Sam doesn't think so. He thinks it's more like an Amnival or Smurl haunting where the ghosts are kind of driving people up the wall and making them do things. Yeah. And of course... In the creepy room, Sam figures this is the perfect time to broach the subject of the fact, you know, John's not here. When are we going to talk about this?
0: Yeah, yeah. When are we going to talk about this? You know what? You know what? I, I just realized, as I saw in my mind's eye, Sam with the face and the expression and the and the shoulders. Are we going to talk <laughs> about it? Uh, I realized just now why... Sam annoyed me this episode and it was the brown hoodie. That <laughs> that poo poo brown hoodie it that does him off. no favors. <laughs> yep.
1: I didn't even notice. I was like I guess I'm not attentive enough to be, like, a fashion critique.
0: <laughs> well, no, like like I said, as I was picturing in my mind's eye this line, it wasn't the snarkiness. that. No, no, no. It was the hoodie. That's what really tipped me over. Oh, gosh. Anyways, so, um, Dean, are we going to talk about the fact that Dad's not here? Because what are we doing here? We're just chasing these leads that aren't even leads.
1: Yeah, they're not connected to Dad in any tangential, like, not even in any superficial manner. hmm uh-huh. So what's the point of them when we're trying to find him? Like, I can really feel Sam is kind of running on empty. The tank is really dwindling down after, as he says, close to six months. And... He's just worn thin. He's ready to be done with this. And in order to do that, John needs to be present in front of him.
0: Right, right. And he says, we should be, we shouldn't be here. We should be out there, not chasing this. We need to be chasing dad. And Dane says, look, this is what dad wants. And just like in the hotel room, that's it. Yeah,
1: he's really defensive about this, but Sam is adamant that that's not an answer. Like, it doesn't matter what Dad wants. They should be thinking for themselves and looking for him despite what Dean has interpreted
0: as John's orders. True. Yeah. Yep. And Dean just says, look, that attitude's why I'm the favorite, so this is what we're doing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I'm like, oh, Dean, read the room, because yeah. it's, again, that level of confrontation that he's comfortable with, which is kind of like deflect and joke and things
0: like that. And that's not what Sam appreciates. It just makes it worse. Right, right. And I get, I get Sam here, right, because he is just... Beating himself against a brick wall on both fronts. He is the one that we always see calling around, chasing, like chasing the traffic cams and calling John's friends and trying to find some something. But Dean's the one that alternates between just going along. You know, we'll see him when we see him. And um, this here, which is, uh, I don't know, we'll just like following what dad wants, following dad's orders is the way that we're helping him or like it's it's the thing that's actually getting us closer to finding him. But Sam doesn't see it that way.
1: Yeah. And I agree with you. I can definitely see Sam's perspective because he's like, I don't care how many coins I plunk into this machine. Like, I shouldn't have to do all of the hoops and jumps and the things that dad's asking me from afar in order to see him again. He's my dad. I should just be able to see him. And I think if Dean was able to commiserate even a little bit, being like, you know, I really get you and I can see how you want to do the missing person's report. But like, if he met Sam even an inch more in his direction, I think that could have really mitigated a lot of Sam's frustration. But that's not how Dean approaches it at all
0: right right and like you said these brush offs uh that Sam keeps getting from Dean are uh not helping so
1: no and we're going to see soon enough how um tight-lipped it makes Sam about what um basically he's been doing with his day-to-day and how he feels about spending this time with Dean yep yep yeah, because in this room, they find a name placard and it has Sanford Elliot, chief of staff on it. So it prompts them to go do some research and it comes in the form of Sam booking an appointment with a psychiatrist, James Ellicott, who we find out is Sanford's son.
0: Yeah, this was an interesting direction. Now, Truly. I mean, I don't know. This was just obviously weird and awkward and callous, but that's kind of a running theme this this season, I see. they're They're pretty heavy-handed with their tactics. Yeah, like, you really
1: couldn't Google? You really couldn't hit a book? Are you telling me that a riot in a sanatorium would not be documented anywhere besides with
0: the guy's son. Son. Well, let's, let's, let's go through what we're talking about here because yes. we see Sam in the waiting room and um, then we introduce James Elliot, like you said, the psychiatrist that Sam has apparently booked an appointment with, pretending to be just, you know, someone who, hey, thanks so much for getting me in at the last minute here. Uh, So they are going into a therapy session.
1: Yeah, and Sam is trying to play um his role as he's, you know, a local history buff. Hey, I recognize your name. Can you give me the information about the south wing of the... Asi- like, Eddie, <laughs> it's not working because this psychiatrist is like you know we're here on your own dime like we should be talking about you tell me what you've
0: been up to oh yeah not much yeah um no tell me but uh, no really tell me more about your father's brutal murder like
1: the way that (laughs) sam didn't even have a cover story truly planned is just an indicator of how poorly thought out this approach was like They didn't want to try another Gunderson approach where they meet the guy in a bar after hours and try talking to him. No, we're going to sit inside of the psychiatrist's office and you're going to use the word interesting too many times. It's very suspicious, Sam. (laughs) And it leads to Dr. Ellicott here making a bargain. Be like, tell me something honest about you. And I'll give you some information that you're looking for. Um, How about we talk about this road trip? Specifically about your brother. So Sam has like a cartoonishly like gulp moment that... Oh my god. This scene.
0: Oh man. Well really all that Sam shares uh here in this scene uh in between trying to dig for additional information on the roosevelt riot of 64 he says yeah no um i'm good yeah oh what have i been up to hmm hmm um well i've been on a road trip with my brother for a while yeah that's been Q the facial twitches tm 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 yeah, and the Mad Libs of just
1: interesting, interesting, interesting. Yeah, that's been fun.
0: Yeah, loads of fun. Oh my
1: god, flashbacks to my performance review. <laughs> it's fine. Um we don't actually hear what his thoughts are or what he exchanges with Dr. Ellicott but um he does leave this appointment with information about the Roosevelt riot in 64 that they didn't have before
0: right right so what happened was um the residents of the south wing were the uh especially difficult cases the clinically insane the uh criminally insane and uh, Doctor Ellicott Senior w- was the chief psychiatrist. And in 1964, the South Wing residents uh, revolted, and there was a a violent takeover of the asylum in which uh, multiple patients and staff were killed and some of the bodies were never even recovered
1: yeah namely dr ellicott senior himself his body was never found
0: yeah and and dean says what do you mean never found
1: yeah and i kind of question that too because it feels like we got a hand wave going on here where they're like oh you know the patients are crazy so who knows where they put the bodies i'm like Everything's very locked down inside a psychiatric wing. And
0: in the okay. building. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the, the answer is in the building. Well, Sam says, uh, well, the cops uh, comb to every inch of that place, but I guess the patients just stuffed them somewhere. Like, come on. Yeah.
1: Grasping at straws here. Hmm. But the aftermath of the riot was that the survivors were transferred and the hospital was closed down, which is why it's abandoned to this day.
0: Right. And Dean is saying, so, yeah, a bunch of violent deaths, a bunch of bodies that a bunch of unrecovered bodies, uh, two plus two equals violent spirits. Salt and burn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, salt and burn. Exactly. Yeah, so they are
1: going to go back, as you pointed out, at a stupid hour. They're <laughs> going to go
0: at nighttime to go and investigate. Exactly! You could sur- not only do you have better light, Dean, Sam, if you're looking for hidden passageways, guys, but- uh, maybe you won't be attacked by these multiple spirits that you're speculating might be uh terrorizing the hospital to the point of like violent murders come on truly like maybe they're
1: just in the habit of like we dig up graves at night so let's check out haunted buildings at night too mm. like it's just all shades of wrong but it's what they're doing And they're not alone in going to the asylum tonight because we cut to two kids. They're teenagers, late teens, um, who are now wandering through the building. And the girlfriend, Kat, is deeply unimpressed with her boyfriend, Gavin's choice for a date location.
0: Right. I thought we were going to a movie, Gavin.
1: And he's like, it's better than that. It's like we're in a movie. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, What? what's the adjective for that movie? A horror movie? You sure that's what you want to do?
0: But yeah. okay. When I'm in a movie, I have significantly less concern that I'll step on a needle <laughs> that I don't want to be stepping on. I'm
1: like, a movie is... Contained, it's indoors, and it's two and a half hours, usually tops. Wandering an asylum, who knows what you're going to get into. Hmm. And Gavin seems to be really adamant about going deeper into the building. Kat has no interest in doing this, so naturally they split up. And while Gavin is surveying one of these dank and dismal rooms, um, there is a figure behind him that approaches silently and assuming that this is Kat, um, he's chatting with her and then this spirit gets close enough to give him a ghoulish kiss. Yes. And there's this really effective beat where we still haven't seen the figure's face, so it could very well be Cat. except Cat is in a distant hallway calling for Gavin, and he realizes that after the kiss and is like, oh shit, what just happened?
0: Right. And the figure, as Gavin backs away from the spirit, we finally see them in the full light, and they are disfigured and very dead. Very, very dead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not a cute scene. But we cut to Sam and Dean now. It's their turn to enter the asylum. The EMF reader is pinging, as is Sam's camcorder. He has it out, bless him, and is seeing all the
0: orbing (laughs) that's happening on the screen. Right. EMF is going crazy. Look at all these orbs. We must have so many spirits here.
1: Okay. (laughs) Why? And I guess we can say with hindsight that probably Dr. Ellicott's experiments had its fair share of casualties, Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't just be the riot where people died, but presumably all throughout his tenure at this hospital.
0: Yes. As, yeah, and as Sam and Dean are going through the hallways, we see, um, we see multiple, you know, shadows just out of the corner of your eye. You know, they haven't clocked one of these spirits yet, but we, the viewer, definitely know that they're there. And, um... All that we see seem to be uh, patients themselves and um, really
1: leaning into the trope of this is an insane asylum and so the patients are real crazy.
0: Right. Sam and Dean are snooping they get a little separated like Dean's in one room but Sam Waters into another and that's when uh Sam is alone that he is uh confronted by one of these spirits uh one actually appears and approaches him mm-hmm. um and Sam doesn't have any salt or iron apparently because all he does is holler for Dean <laughs> yeah and I was reading the companion book,
1: and they were like, this is the first episode where we establish that iron wards off spirits. But I couldn't think of where they actually used iron in this episode, besides maybe as the lock chain that mm. led to the south ward.
0: I didn't even think about that. The the iron chain to be the thing that keeps something in or keeps something out. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's my guess because these spirits don't move through walls. Question mark. We're going to just let the logic be the logic.
0: Well, yeah, and they don't. They're not, you know, taking a crowbar to any of these spirits. So, no. And we, when we were talking about the chain, they didn't say, "Oh, this is iron that would be effective in keeping the keeping the." Uh, ghost contained but yeah yeah
1: the show is in such baby stages yet that like they barely invented salt rounds they haven't figured out iron crow bars yet
0: <laughs> true true bliss wow so
1: yeah this elderly ghost was approaching sam and he's backing up and kind of going dean dean shotgun and dean fires off a salt round and the ghost dissipates but Sam is a bit taken aback by the fact that it wasn't attacking him. It was just approaching him, like, peacefully.
0: Right. Yeah. And Dean says, hey, that looked pretty, um, that looked pretty aggro from where I was standing. But Sam said, no, no, that was not, that wasn't what was happening. It was just, it was, I don't know. It was just there.
1: Yeah, if it doesn't want to hurt him, then what does it want?
0: Right. Uh, one more thing. One more thing about Sam apparently not having anything sh- to defend himself with. We-, we by the end of the night there are three separate shotguns in play. In I know. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What is that? Oh, anyways, um, uh, yeah.
1: Let's just say he put the shotgun down to like really hold on to that camcorder. <laughs> he could not drop that. That was like a JVC, a Panasonic camcorder. It was worth a good dollar back then.
0: Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um as they continue searching the building, they come across cat cowering in a corner. And um, they kind of ask her questions. They calm her down because she's looking quite distressed. And she's not sure, but her boyfriend's in here somewhere. And she's not going to leave without finding him.
0: Right. They got separated and Kat doesn't care if it's dangerous. She is going to help find Gavin before she'll even consider leaving. So... In that case, let's split up. We have Dean and then Kat and Sam splitting up to uh, search for Gavin now.
1: Yeah, and Dean uses the opportunity alone with Kat to, like, dad voice chastise her for coming into the asylum. Like it was her fucking choice to be here. (laughs) well he doesn't know that i mean no but but he was very like kids these days you've seen horror movies right you should (laughs) believe in them i was just like this line is corny i don't think this was necessary
0: The, the line the line was corny yeah 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 you listen to what the horror movies are telling you okay dean
1: yeah if a place is haunted don't go in i'm like if a place is haunted you want to go in like I'm sorry that's catnip <laughs> but, and, <laughs> and maybe also... that was like very white of me to say though <laughs> I uh... was the kid that was like graveyard seances and shit like that like oh it god was, no it was, it was very stupid but it was also like very fun I-,
0: I was I was the kid that had to be under a blanket to walk to the kitchen at night because that way the ghost couldn't get me <laughs> I
1: definitely had like very creepy things while I was growing up on the farm. Like one of the scariest things would be to like run the distance between the barn and the house especially at night. Like okay, so side run as if something's chasing me. Well, no, thank okay, cuz listen. The house, you'd have, like, the porch light on, and, you know, you might be in the Quonset during the day and doing stuff, and then you leave, and then sun sets, and you realize you left a light on at the Quonset. And so, through the trees, you just see this rectangle of light glowing, and you're like, oh, fuck, like, I can't leave that, I have to turn it off before I go to bed. So, you would sometimes go out there with a flashlight, but truly, where do you keep those? It's such a pain. So what you would instead do is get outside the corona of the porch light and then run probably like 300 meters into like through the trees to the quonset, turn it off, you're in pitch black, you have to run back through the trees, across the yard, back to the house. That got your heart pumping, like... Fun. No business. Fun. I didn't say it was fun. I'm like, that was one of, like, the spookiest things that you could do out on the farm.
0: Now, now, the running... The running is a choice, though, so... No, it's mandatory. (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say, did that, um... Hype up the fear, or...
1: Yeah. Well, okay, I should amend it and say... I would usually walk there because you felt the fear building. Mm -hmm. And then by time you were at the Quonset and you turned off the light and then all of a sudden you're in pitch dark, you're in the trees, like the winds rustling, the areas known for coyotes. Um, It's at that point where you're like, okay, I saved my running energy. (laughs) It's time to
0: put on a burst
1: of speed and get the fuck out of
0: here. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. 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 But, like, I look
1: back and I'm like, there's so many scary things about the farm, but, like, that one, that one was kind of, like, the ultimate fear test. hmm Oh,
0: sidebar. <laughs> I don't have any ghost stories. No. No. I have so many ghost stories. Oh, my God, I hate you. Don't tell me that.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> let me just say there's a whole year at school that was just like wasted on hauntings it was fucking nuts
0: tell me off off recording
1: yeah I can do that I, I almost knocked my drink over fuck okay <laughs> okay so we know what Dean and Kat are doing what is Sam up to Um, Sam finds the unconscious Gavin and helps him to his feet
0: yep and gavin was either either just like dazed or unconscious on the floor when sam finds mm-hmm. him his forehead is bloodied and um sam says you know what happened and gavin you know are you okay and gavin says that he um he was running and he must have he must have fell that's the last thing that he remembers uh, he was approached by the spirit that we saw and he uh, just noped out of there ASAP
1: yeah and Sam kind of perks his ear at, okay there was a spirit what did they do did they try and hurt you and Gavin's like it tried to kiss me and sounds like but did it hurt you did it and- physically
0: assault you
1: <laughs> Gavin's just like emotionally
0: <laughs> <laughs> I liked I liked this exchange. That was a good one. Yeah, it was good. But no, it didn't attack me. It kissed me and uh I think it tried to whisper something into my ear. Sam is like, What? What? Tell me what? I don't know, dude. I ran. <laughs> Yeah, my focus was not on your priorities at that moment. Right. I have no idea what the ghost said to me. I was just trying to get out of there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we go back to Dean and Kat. And Dean's flashlight begins to flicker. But he assures her that he has a backup um, lighter that he's going to use. And she's standing behind him. She feels something tug on her arm and she complains to Dean that he's hurting her. But when Dean turns around, we see it is like a corpse hand that is on Kat's arm. And it pulls her into one of these side hallway rooms into an examination room and the door slams shut. Dean cannot pry it open. Right.
0: Yeah, it is... Is being held closed by some force. Yeah, and
1: it sucks for Kat right now. She is screaming. Sam and Gavin hear it. They come running and they're trying to figure out what's going on. Dean just cannot knock the lock open on this door, but Sam is saying, you know, Kat, what you need to do is basically A, calm down, and then B, Look at the spirit. Try and talk to, like, hear what it's trying to tell you. Because I don't think the spirits in this place are harming us. They're trying to tell us something instead.
0: Right. Basically, um, for all of Dean's prying, he can't get the door open. And Sam says, if you want to get out, then this thing isn't attacking you but it's holding you here for a reason. You need to hear what it has to say. You need to face it.
1: Yeah. So she freezes in place. And as this kind of grotesque spirit leans in, um, the next thing we see from outside the room is that the door clicks open and Cass is, sorry, and Cat is able to walk out. And she says the number 137 was what it told her
0: right and one note before we move on between kelly at the beginning of the episode uh gavin and sam no dean now uh we're starting to understand that when the flashlight starts to go out on you that means that something is close by
1: yeah we're getting some lore about how lights flickering are impacted by spirits.
0: hmm Which you would mm-hmm. think that Sam and Dean might know instead of spending some, you know, t- some... 10 seconds shaking the flashlight really hard and looking at yeah. it instead of your surroundings like when yeah. at, with Sam later in the episode he's so diligent like like checking his corners he's got that shotgun up the whole time but then as soon as his flashlight starts flickering he's like the fuck
1: this is my primary focus i'm <laughs> going to click it on and off until i get knocked out
0: <laughs> oh my god
1: anyways yeah um so, yeah, Sam and Dean have a quick conflab about the room number. Um, they need to find out what's there, what the spirits are so agitated about. And so Sam is going to lead Kat and Gavin out of the asylum while Dean checks out room 37. 137.
0: Right. Right. He's going to go look for the room.
1: So on their little journey out of the asylum, Kat is asking Sam why anyone would want this job, and Sam kind of deadpants snarks, I had a crappy guidance counselor. (laughs) And she asks him, so Dean's your boss? Which is just another little needle, because Sam is quite adamant, like,
0: no. Right, yeah. We
1: have a brief cut to Dean pushing open the door to room 137, and it appears to be Sanford's office. Um, He does find a secret panel behind one of the wall sections, and inside is a journal all about Sanford's sick experiments on his patients. And we have some ghostly whooshing around him
0: right and and this office space it is when when Dean enters, like the whole room is completely trashed. There are multiple file cabinets, but they many of them have their drawers opened and emptied or the file cabinet is tipped over entirely the desk is on its side the chairs are scattered Mm -hmm. or broken um i saw that room and it's like this was a storm of violent ghostly activity
1: yeah this was kind of the epicenter presumably where the patients were going to enact their wrath on sanford
0: so so I I I like I liked that. I thought it was good staging. Good.
1: Yeah, good environmental storytelling. Right.
0: Yeah. And he had found that briefcase in a hidden panel in the wall and in the briefcase was the patient's journal.
1: Yeah, and there's lots of diagrams of sticks being put into brains and it has a lot of really tight um, crabbed writing and dean kind of settles in for a nightmare story
0: yeah yeah back to sam
1: yeah sam and cat and gavin have discovered that the doors out of the asylum all refuse to open so something must not want them to leave yet um he tells gavin and Kat not to panic And at this time, he receives a phone call, allegedly from Sam. Um, Basically like, I need help. Find me in the basement. So Sam hands off his shotgun and will go and meet Dean where he says he is. Sam
0: went from having zero shotguns to two shotguns. Where's the lie?
1: Oh, gosh.
0: Well, okay, let's think now dean doesn't have a shotgun on him question mark no he does he does because i'm pretty sure i am like 92 percent sure that when dean later meets up with cat he doesn't take her shotgun so
1: <sighs> hmm, hmm. the shotguns are breeding this episode exactly Anyways. Gosh, I might have to watch again just for continuity.
0: <laughs> I think that I think that in between Dean going to Elliot's office, and you know whether or not he took Cat's shotgun, but I bet that if Dean has a shotgun, he'll have it up in Elliot's office. So then we know that there was definitely three shotguns.
1: Yeah, and I'm thinking that um in this next bit um. Okay, so what do we have? We have um, Dean nowhere around in the basement that Sam goes to. He enters into the same room Kelly did, and the same hidden panel doorway opens itself. Mm -hmm. Sam goes to check out deeper into this room, um, but he's not seeing the ghosts, except boom, all of a sudden Sanford's ghost is behind him grabs his face, and his hands are crackling with electricity as he does something to Sam.
0: Don't be afraid. I'm here to make it better. Sure, Jan. (laughs) You know what that reminded me of? That little line? It reminded me of um, god, what was it? Saint (sighs) What's the horror movie series? The the in universe. Um, oh, well, like All Saints Day? All Saints Day. All Saints Day. That was it. The life size model uh in season fourteen. You got it! I got it! I wasn't one <laughs> off! Oh my goodness. Yay. Anyways. <laughs> I now can't remember a single one of the uh the life size mannequins uh sound bites, but that's what that reminded me of,
1: yeah, honestly, it has the same sort of cadence, <laughs> okay, so Sam is presumably in some deep shit at the moment um we cut to cat and Gavin and Kat is, you know, she's contemplative and she's like, you know, if we get out of this alive, we are so breaking up. (laughs) And um, they hear some noises coming from around the corner in the hall and Kat wastes no time firing off a round that narrowly misses Dean's head.
0: Yeah, duck and cover. Well, you know, Sam said shoot anything that moves. So really, that's on him.
1: Yeah. And I'm like, Dean sure is, you know, in the spray and pray zone a lot this episode.
0: (laughs) Honestly. Oh man, what does he say when he he's like I don't so when Dean ducks behind uh the wall, he's basically like, What the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. I don't know what he actually says though, but that was definitely the sentiment. Like, God damn it.
1: Because as far as he was concerned, Kat and Gavin should be long gone. You know, Mm -hmm. Sam and the two of them should be waiting
0: outside for Dean to finish his work. But instead, now uh, that Kat has got it out of her system, Dean Dean says, Why are you guys still here? Uh, And the exits are barred. uh, We can't get out. And why are you here? Sam got a phone call from you. He said it was from you. He said that you were in trouble. He went down to the basement.
1: Yeah. Dean's like, where's Sam? And when he gets the story about himself allegedly making a call, Mm -hmm. um, it immediately spells bad news. So he's going to go to the basement to investigate.
0: Right. And he, we see him. um, I, I think there must be some, like, One of their duffel bags there, because he bends down to rifle through something, and he comes back up with a handgun and maybe a third shotgun. I don't know. He might have already had that. You know
1: what? Now that you've introduced the duffel bag, I'm like, there's the answer. (laughs) That's where all the shotguns were coming from. They were like, there's two of us. We need
0: at least four shotguns. The Barney bag. Yeah, we want to dual wield as we go in there. Oh, man. Well, so Dean is now like, okay, I gotta go rescue Sammy now, but you guys stay here.
1: Yeah, there's fuckery afoot, so if you guys stay put, at least you'll stay out of the fray. Right. So in the basement, he is kind of checking all of the rooms with his flashlight and his shotgun out. Um, He's calling for Sam this whole time, but Sam, like, spookily appears in front of him, and kind of scares Dean, who chastises him. You know, when I call for you, you say something.
0: Right. That's just asking to get shot, you know? Yeah, exactly. Kat's already proven this. Right. Right. Um, here's
1: where he updates Sam about what Ellicott was doing, the experimentation on the patients.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that the patients probably rioted against him because of that. And it all related back to some rage therapy that Ellicott believed getting the patients to vent their anger would help absolve it. But whatever Ellicott was doing to the patients seemed to just make it worse.
0: Right. And this extreme rage therapy, it wasn't providing his patients a way to um, release their anger. It was just building it up to a point that the riot happened and really just, they became homicidal and maybe now his spirit is doing the same thing to the people that, uh, the spirit affects.
1: Yeah. That would explain Kelly, um, going from even killed to all of a sudden killing his wife and himself.
0: Right. Make them so angry. They have no control. Yep.
1: So the logbook that Dean was reading mentioned a secret room. Um, he enters into that biohazard room that Sam previously entered. Um, Sam's kind of saying, you know, I've already searched everywhere. I didn't find any hidden room. And Dean's like, well, they are called hidden for a reason.
0: <laughs> and then look, shh, shh, just shush. Do you hear that?
1: Yeah. We have an air current in the room where you wouldn't expect there to be one. So Dean gets low to the floor and he feels a gap between the floor and the wall where the air is moving through. And um, it's at this point that um, Sam aims his gun, nose bleeding, at Dean. And tells him, basically... (laughs) I've had enough.
0: Right. Step away from the door, Dean. And Dean says, lower the shotgun, Sam.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like, what are you doing? But that nosebleed cue. Yeah. um, All of a sudden, Dean realizes something has happened to Sam. And now he's in danger if, you know, Sanford Ellicott's rage- therapy treatment has taken place on sam mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. sam doesn't take kindly to dean telling him to uh to back off he says no nope, sir uh is that an order and dean again tries to de-escalate look just sammy this isn't you for wh- this one this line was probably my favorite line i don't know just the way it was delivered it's complete it's there's no substance to it but i just liked it (laughs) Mm -hmm. for once in your life shut your mouth says sam and then he pulls the trigger yeah
1: dean says he knows you know Roxelt's not gonna kill me so what are you thinking that you're gonna do um it might not kill him, but he still takes a chestful of it, and it slams him back through that hidden doorway, and Sam looms over him as Dean regains consciousness.
0: Man, and I'm like, Dean, I'm pretty sure a round of rock salt to the face will, uh, do some fucking damage, Dean. Like. <laughs> What the fuck are you it talking will, about? It like, will not kill hurt me like
1: a son of a bitch. Like you're shooting salt into open wounds. Like that's already a saying where they're like, "That sucks," and well, now you're taking a chest filled with rock salt. Like
0: big yikes. Well, I think that well. Let's see. I took issue to what Dean said when he was like, oh, come on, Sam, it's Rock Salt. It's not going to kill me. I'm like, Rock Salt can definitely kill you. You are facing down a shotgun at close range to the chest. Or like I said, if you took that to the face, then I mean, what do you think? What do you think the fucking impact velocity of that is? It's uh, something that could probably kill you. I don't care if it's Rock Salt versus Buckshot.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I uh, never experimented with this. I have no plans (laughs) on experimenting this. Um, I'm like, Kill Bill Volume
0: 2 demonstrated that it sucks, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was um, enough of an impact, apparently, to physically send him through the door, the hidden door, that uh, Sam was so staunchly protecting.
1: I'm like, that's just Dean being dramatic. He
0: just <laughs> threw himself back. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. JK, JK. Well, yeah, but he, Sam's right. Hurts like hell. That definitely wasn't pleasant. No. And as
1: Dean wakes up, he's trying again to implore Sam to go find the bones and burn it because that's the way he'll get back to normal. But using the word normal around Sam is a touchy subject lately, and he definitely launches off on a diatribe about that. Oh, yes. Like, he is already normal, and he's just telling the truth. That, you know, Dean's a good little soldier who follows Dad's orders without question, and he's just desperate for approval, like... Sam's basically saying, I have a mind of my own, but, like, what are you but just, like, dad's puppet.
0: Right. Sam is saying a lot here. He is saying, no, me? I'm fine. This is normal for me. I'm just, you know, opening up for once. I'm telling, I'm I'm expressing my truth. I think you're pathetic. I think that you are just daddy's a little soldier like you said and we're no closer to finding dad now than we were six months ago so why are you jank- janking me around dean
1: yeah i'm sick of you being our leader because you have led us nowhere exactly and dean kind of matches him tit for tat here saying you know i'll make it easier for you um And he retrieves from inside of his jacket his pistol. And, you know, killing me will be easier with real bullets. So Sam <laughs> drops the shotgun, takes the pistol, and now is aiming that at Dean.
0: Right. And Dean is goading him. What? You're gonna what you're gonna do it you think you can really do it you think you can kill your own brother do you really hate me that much? yeah and
1: this pose that they're in um you know Sam looming over with. Whoop. Ba, 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 ba. Um and this pose that they're in with Sam looming over Dean with the gun raised, the official companion describes that scene as Sam works out some issues he has with his brother.
0: I'm sorry, what?
1: That's what they have quoted it saying. Sam works out some issues he
0: has with his brother. I broke the sound limit on that one, so sorry, fam. <laughs> but I'm sorry, I it works out I some issues said when I
1: fucking read that
0: works out some issues works out some issues excuse it? I know
1: understatement of the century here when Dean's like fucking kill me if you're gonna kill me do it with one good shot like are you really able to kill your brother and then he pulls the trigger B
0: I know the answer is yes are you really able to kill me do you really hate me that much the fucking answer is yes apparently
1: and how fucking Dean has like a moment you see him react to that. And like it comes up at the end of this episode where he's saying like he's not a share and care type of guy, but he that that hits him. Yeah. As solidly as a bullet. Like that's a blow to him.
0: Yeah. And I mean, okay. So, so Dean gave Sam the pistol. Um, they are having this very intense confrontation where Sam is now properly towering over a prone Dean and he has the pistol in Dean's face and he pulls the trigger and the pistol is unloaded. Yeah, Dean has sleight of hand
1: removed the clip and uses the opportunity now to kind of grab Sam's armed hand. That's such a silly sentence. <laughs> um, Forearm. Grab his, his weapons. His, oh,
0: right, 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 right.
1: And then with his right fist, clock Sam in the face.
0: Right. Sam goes down. Dean staggers up. Sam is still trying to rise, so he's so Dean is just like, what? No. Take yeah.
1: two. I I really liked um the beats for this scene like this this little bit here because you can see dean is still really struggling with the pain of Mm -hmm. being shot with roxal um and so it's not like an easy thing for him to get to his feet and then punch sam again and i just like when fights show the people with their wear and tear yeah and just how he's almost exasperated as he apologizes to his unconscious brother sorry sammy <laughs> right
0: yeah no i th- i I did i did like it it wasn't um like you said you you saw that struggle so yeah and like
1: they could have done like a dramatic blow by blow brother fight but instead they kept it simple and kept the story going.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: So Dean is surveying this hidden room. He is completely missing the fact that Sanford's ghost is walking around him nearby. Um, but he does cue on to this little tuft of hair that is sticking out from the door of this cupboard. And so when Dean opens the door, i assumed um, flicking a latch or something, um, behind it is Sanford's corpse. Right. Super
0: gross. Super gross. Dean agrees. Uh, yeah, this corpse had been left in the cabinet for, some... 50 years. 50 years. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Uh, 61 years. I did the math. Did you? Oh, yeah. 2005? to 64 the right of 64 yeah yeah 40 years 41 years 41 years yes is that what i said i don't know i think you said 61 damn it
1: fuck <laughs> <laughs> i don't know okay as soon as i said the numbers i was like i don't know what the fuck i'm talking
0: about <laughs> po- post-production will show
1: the truth yeah Ex- i did it in forty one
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyways um that's what I get for trying to do some basic fucking ar- arithmetic mid sentence <laughs> <laughs> fucking error out anyways um so so yes, uh Ellicott. Uh, was stuffed into this cabinet and i really didn't like it i didn't love it because we had heard that there were multiple um bodies that had not been recovered Mm -hmm. that had gone missing and i i really would have wanted to see this this procedure room as more of a crypt than it was You know what I
1: kind of, the story I told myself to make it more sense, like why there wasn't more bodies in here, like Uh you said, and mine was that Ellicott went to this room to try and hide and like patients Mm. probably knew about this room because it's where he did all his horrible stuff. And if they survived, then they're aware of it. But, um, he went in there and then he hid himself in the cupboard um, but the latch locked from the outside and he wasn't able to get out. And so he ended up dying in there.
0: Mm. That's the
1: story I tell myself.
0: I I like the irony.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm like, he ended up dead by his own hand. Mm-hmm. It's
0: I, a gross corpse, though. It's a very gross corpse. I maintain that i don't like that we didn't address all the other spirits in the episode by the end of the episode yes that's definitely um a goofums by the boys there right but they're you know they're crazy people and i guess asylums need their token crazy people ghosts so they're fine yeah yeah and i guess sam's
1: logic is okay they weren't violent this time but if they've dealt with Sanford's ghost, what's to say that these other ghosts aren't going to be like, okay, cool, that mission is over. Let's fuck shit up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know.
0: I, I assumed that S- uh, Sanford's ghost released the other spirits from their eternal torture because all the other ghosts wanted was to um, was justice for their killer or not their killer but you know the person that tortured them in life.
1: I I kind of dig that. Yeah, like that you know these aren't all necessarily spirits that passed away during the riot. They could have been lingering mm-hmm. um after dying by Sanford's hand and then they were somehow connected to him and then once he was gotten rid of they were released as well
0: Mm -hmm. and they weren't trying to point the boys in the direction of you know where sanford's corpse was where they could destroy sanford as a spirit himself they were Mm -hmm. trying to direct him to them to the evidence of Mm -hmm. uh sanford's experiments to their stories yeah Because obviously this wasn't common knowledge. He was a respected uh, physician.
1: Yeah, and he got to die that way, essentially. Mm -hmm. So the only justice they're going to see for their deaths is for at least someone to be able to tell the tale.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Dean is like gagging as (laughs) the assault and and, um, pouring lighter fluid over this body. And he is so busy prepping the salt and burn that he doesn't notice when his flashlight is flickering. And Sanford appears, um, gripping Dean's head with his electric hands.
0: Don't be afraid. I'll make it all better. <laughs> Time to slice and die. That's one of them. That's right. <laughs> there we go. Catchphrase. phrase. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so Ellicott has Dean, um, in his thrall, but Dean is able to fight him off just enough to pull out that lighter, the Zippo, the trusty Zippo, and uh, flick it into the cabinet with the uh, salted corpse, and Ellicott is no more.
1: Yeah. Sanford's ghost goes crumbly, dusty, and then um collapses into a pile of ash. I'm like, did the man have two bodies?
0: <laughs> yeah, okay. the physical evidence of his... I mean, being... we haven't really established what this looks like yet, because the only other time that we've seen a true salt and burn was... um. Oh, what was it? Uh, the hookman, right? yeah, with the uh silver uh cross necklace that was yeah. the last piece of him left uh anchoring him to the earth, so instead of going up in flames, we saw the hookman melt like cheap butter left out on the <laughs> counter
1: yeah fair enough i just thought it was curious that like sanford was enough of a substantial ghost so that when he went up in flames um his ectoplasmic whatever also <laughs> burnt to a crisp
0: all we needed was to them to bring in one of those hurricane fans where we could have gotten a whoosh of air that scattered the ash to the to the <laughs> wind dramatique hmm.
1: Sam wakes up, now having recovered from Sanford's therapy, quote-unquote. And we cut to daylight, where Gavin and Kat are thanking Sam and Dee, and going on, presumably, their separate ways.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm going to give Gavin a little bit of... uh, uh, I don't know, I'm kind of rooting for the kid.
1: I don't know, because I'm like... He did bring you out there and didn't tell you that this is what you were going to be doing. And then you had to, like, deal with ghosts in your face and he got kissed by a corpse. Like, it wasn't a good evening all around.
0: And, and Gavin didn't really listen to Kat when she said, hey, I don't want to be here. I want to get out of here. He's like, okay, yeah, you just stay here. We're fine. Yeah. And
1: then she had to kind of carry the majority of the weight, keeping them safe.
0: Mm-hmm. True, true, true. All right, Gavin. Yeah. You'll yeah. get them next time.
1: <laughs> now that Dean and Sam are alone, um, Sam is apologizing for what he said. And he didn't mean any of it, he swears. But Dean is more surprised that Sam even remembers what he said, because that's not um, kind of the story that Dean had ready in his head
0: right yeah you remember all of that sam says i said some awful things right and he says i just couldn't control it what, yeah, what does he say like, exactly he says he says it's he said something and then it's like i wasn't in control is what he said
1: yeah it's it was like he got was taken over and mm. it was just spilling out of him, like
0: Right. The way that he the way that he said it, like it was definitely a little ambiguous and like, you know, I just couldn't put that filter back on. Or maybe that's just me projecting, but I mean, maybe
1: it's Sam's way of just saying, like, I was aware, but there wasn't a part of me
0: that could kind of reverse the flow of this. Right, right, yeah. Well, so, uh, <laughs> I don't know. This is going to be my takeaway for the episode, because here Sam is saying, look, I'm really sorry, man. I didn't mean those things that I said. I I, I really, you know, are we good? Are we okay? I'm like, Sam, you, you literally tried to kill your brother. You're not apologizing yeah. for that. You're not apologizing for pulling the trigger on him. I keep coming back to the line. Do you hate me that much? And Sam pulled the trigger. And not only did he pull the trigger, but when he realized that the clip was empty, he pulled the trigger again and again and again until Dean physically put him down for it. And it wasn't... I think that Dean was just waiting for this snap-out moment. He was hoping for it, praying for it. Like, that's what he needed. But obviously, yeah. obviously, I'm like, he didn't want to believe that of his brother. And, of course, I'm not blaming Sam here. Because he did not have control. I, there was absolutely nothing in this, ev- in this episode that um, provided any sort of, like evidence to like you could fight it if you could no
1: yeah exactly
0: but i i do think that it is my takeaway from the episode that dean was testing sam in a way i think it was an unfair test but also like sam who remembered everything about this confrontation he didn't even seem phased by the fact that he would have and could have murdered his brother.
1: Yeah, and I wonder if it is, like, we're meant to read that as Ellicott's therapy. You know, it pushed too far. It made things worse. It, like, my interpretation of that is that it just elevated everything, ramped it up to 12. And so... Sam, in a tantrum argument with his brother, would never pull the trigger, but Sam, under the influence of this rage therapy, is now capable of it because of that compulsion
0: within himself. I don't know. It's just, it's it's interesting to me that I think that as this episode is written, it is uh, obvious that the intent was this to be the episode where like you said we're shining a light on Sam's id these these are mm-hmm. these are the things that Sam actually thinks and and feels but they've been dialed up to 12 and yeah. and the whole like homicide thing i'm going to let slide to a point because uh th- that is the established pattern Like with Kelly, like with the other two kids, and then now with Sam. This is the whispering in his mind that is forcing him to do these things. I could see that as forcing you to do these things. But Mm -hmm. but it does rub me the wrong way that Sam doesn't really, truly apologize for that. Like... I could have... Ki- he doesn't seem remorseful for, like, I could have killed you. I would have killed you. And instead he's just saying, like, sorry for the awful things I said. Yeah. Which we're supposed to understand as... Which I kind of meant in a way, but I, I didn't mean to say them. Yeah.
1: I... I think I definitely take the fact that that's what he's apologizing for is, like, that's the part he feels responsible for. Right. Whereas the other part, like, the firing the shotgun, the attempted firing the pistol, are things that he didn't feel he was responsible for.
0: I just wish there was more conversation around it. Because I don't think that... Because here we see Dean saying... I don't know. Again, Sam, he says, what, do we need to talk about this? Like, do you forgive me or don't you forgive me? And Well,
1: and there's also the key moment where Sam was saying, like, I didn't mean any of it. And Dean goes, really? Mm -hmm. Like, Dean's really is kind of like, are you sure that you don't mean any of it? And Sam just immediately says, of course not. But I do think, like, to the point of what you're saying, that Dean... Saw what happened and is kind of taking that personally
0: he is he is, and they and they didn't resolve anything. they didn't work out their issues Kripke Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I don't care what your commentary says, no chick flick moment, no chick flick moments exactly, yeah, yeah, well, this this was lackluster to me as the final beat that were that we're leaving on because well. Man, I say that, but I don't actually mean it because this was juicy as fuck because Dean says, like, really? You didn't mean it? No, of course not. Wait, do we need to talk about this? No, I don't want to talk about it. I'm not really in a sharing, caring kind of mood, Sam. I just want to go home and go to sleep. So obviously, yes, there's something that they need to talk about, but they're not here.
1: Yeah, and, like, to that end, next episode is Scarecrow, and that's the one where Dean and Sam kind of break Mm. course, and, like, Sam says he's taken off, he's leaving. So I think that, to that end, they were like, we're going to let this conversation remain unfinished, this episode, so that there's still that
0: tension there in next week's episode. Right, yeah. Uh, So... I know that we're not technically at the end of the episode yet, but all that whole little thread there was definitely my final takeaway in this episode. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is a really interesting element of this episode and like to try and digest, you know, what of this was Sam's motivation and what was just put upon him by being possessed. Um, It's, it's a gray area that's interesting to investigate
0: definitely definitely a gray area but I'm inclined to be you know generous to Sam on that I I wouldn't hold that against him except that we actually see Dean here holding it against him and they don't talk about it and this is a huge Mm -hmm. thing so it's yeah
1: that's that's the kind of thing that brushed over by the writing it does feel like I agree yeah we do have one last scene here back at the motel um dean is shirtless presumably because he has to have bandages all over his chest and he is out like a log sleeping in his motel bed completely deaf to the cell phone ringing um and sam is kind of egging dean on saying you know you should like dean are you going to get that are you going to get that and when dean's not budging um Sam answers it and he is shocked to find that it is John on the other line. <gasps>
0: Dad. Dun 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 dun, dun. And that's it. And that's it. That's where we leave it. Yeah. Well, so I already gave mine. But what was your takeaway from the episode?
1: Um I think we've kind of covered it, but it was just basically having a spotlight on Sam's frustrations at this point and um, really having the brother's relationship be that kind of, you know, we've been in close quarters with each other too long. We need a break. Um, Having that sort of crackle going on between them, I found to be really interesting and um, kind of, well-needed at this point in their journey. Because like we said, if they've been on this for five months and still haven't found John and John is still not allowing them to find him, um, it, the boiling point had to come sooner or later. And I'm glad to be seeing it now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that those... I don't know. I think that watching this episode and like you said, shining a light on the frizzers in Sam and Dean's relationship right now, really highlighted for me as someone who is familiar with the series as a whole, how different um, the Sam and Dean relationship from future seasons is to this one. These are their yes. baby sets. These are their baby steps. And the relationship between sam and dean um is is obviously very different in future than it is here for better or for worse um we'll talk a lot about you know codependencies and and such like that but that that do develop over time but it was just very stark to see these sam and dean of season 1 and how still they're they're not really familiar with each other yet
1: yeah and like dean i feel is probably still a little f- afraid of sam going back to the life he had before mm-hmm. and that sam is not really back he's just here because dean can help him find their dad, and then hopefully he'll have answers about what happened to Jeff's. Like, I still feel like Dean at this point um, takes everything as temporary, and he's really trying to stay the course, keep upbeat, and ignore that elephant in the room.
0: Well, and so does Sam. Um, You know, they they don't have that... I don't think that either of them know that they're in it for the long haul yet. Or no, I mean, I don't know. I Dean is a bit more complicated. But yeah. Sam, at least, you know, he has a goal. And I, I just think that you really hit on something when you said that he is feeling um, the rub of just being stuck in, in this one place no closer today than he was six months ago uh, in in close quarters with Dean a dog chasing its tail you know, and just in, in this situation it's not where he thought he would be it's not where he wanted to be
1: yeah and he's very much someone who needs to act and when he has Dean telling him this whole time no we can't do that no we can't do that um, it's just... It's just egging him into a worse mental state. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah, so I I really like this episode, especially for the um, dramatic moment in that hidden room with the whole rock salt firing off. Like, that whole element I found really engaging because you don't often see your main two protagonists um, go to the level of firing
0: off a shotgun at each other (laughs) yeah yeah you don't which is yeah so yeah it was very striking exactly
1: and that's why this episode stood out to me i remembered it for this rewatch was Mm -hmm. that scene right there was just so unexpected and um really brought to light some of the tensions that were going on in a really effective way
0: I agree. I thought it was a good episode. I enjoyed watching it. Uh, again, I would put this in my mind as a, as a really solid standalone. Yeah, I think so too. But yeah, episode 10, season 1, Asylum. I yeah. say that I liked you a lot, but I'm sure that in six months I will have forgot that you had existed again. <laughs> but... <laughs> But one episode that I definitely have not forgotten exists is next week's episode, which is Season 1, Episode 11, Scarecrow.
1: Yes.
0: I would say this is probably one of my favorites from Season 1.
1: Yeah, it's definitely one of the standout ones, and the introduction of Meg as a character is really exciting, too. Yep, yep,
0: yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, so thank you guys for listening we hope you enjoyed it we definitely enjoyed sharing and talking with you and each other and we will see you guys next week for scarecrow yeah see you guys bye thank you bye
1: Gavin takes the shot has a little for- hi hi such strong eye contact <laughs> eh.
0: <laughs> he's just getting quieter